Hello, this is Father Randy Sly with Follow to Lead. And today we're going to be revisiting the DIA Fellows Program through an encore of the presentation, Exploring the Opportunity of Becoming a DIA Fellow. This Fellows Program provides administrators, teachers, and campus ministers the structure and space for a year-long experience, supporting and encouraging candidates to take their school or diocese to the next level, grow as a Catholic educator, and become a beacon of light for passionately Catholic education and the Catholic Church at large. We'd like to invite you to consider taking part in the 2024 cohort of DIA Fellows and in the process take your community to these new heights while impacting your own spirituality. The application deadline is December 15th of this year, and you can find out more information on our website at diaschools.org. Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your calling, calling us de cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to Follow to Lead a journey twice a month into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to him. I'm Father Randy Sly, your host. And today we're going to be exploring the DIA Fellows Program, which provides the structure and space for a year-long experience supporting and encouraging candidates to take their school or diocese to the next level. To grow as a Catholic educator and become a beacon of light for passionately Catholic education and the Catholic Church at large. The DIA Fellows Program is for administrators, teachers, and campus ministers who are deeply committed to bearing witness to their faith in their work for Catholic education and to strengthening the Catholic culture in their organization. Now, to help us look at these great programs, we have two of the DIA Fellow graduates. Carol Shemansky and Austin Kraus. Now, Carol is originally from Mississippi, where she attended William Carey University, earning a master's degree in art education. She was raised in a Protestant home, but several years after she married, she converted to Catholicism. She began her teaching career in public schools in Mississippi, and upon moving to Texas in 2006, she found her true vocation as a Catholic high school educator. She currently teaches at St. John the 23rd College Preparatory School in Katy, Texas, which is a suburban of Houston. Carol and her husband, Don, have been married 38 years, have two adult sons and two grandchildren. Carol is also active in her parish, St. Bartholomew the Apostle, as a CCE teacher, marriage prep leader, and a cantor 
for the weekly Saturday Vigil Mass. As an artist and art educator, Kara is passionate about beauty and the gift of art and what it means in order to reveal God. Now, Austin Krauss was born in Lincoln, Nebraska, and grew up in Shawnee, Kansas, not far from where I live and where he normally lives. He's on vacation. That's why it looks a little tropical in the background if you're watching this on YouTube. He graduated from St. James Academy and attended the University of Nebraska Kearney. But after working at Camp Tecquitha, he entered seminary for the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas, beginning his junior year of college. A year later, he discerned that God was not calling him to the priesthood and graduated from Fontbon University. Did I pronounce that correct, Austin? Fontbon yeah. University in 2016. And after graduation, Austin received the John Paul II Scholarship to attend the Augustan Institute in Denver, Colorado, where he completed his Master's in Theology in 2018. He got his first teaching job at St. Michael the Archangel Catholic High School before returning to his alma mater at St. James Academy. And uh, Austin, who was the president of the school when you were hired at St. Michael? The great Father Randy Sly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. We have had an opportunity to get to know each other in a number of ways. Anyway, he teaches the or taught theology and is now becoming the director of campus ministry at St. James. He is a DIA fellowship graduate. He's married to Mary Kate, who he describes as an incredible photographer and even better person. They have three beautiful children. And so Carol Austin. We're so glad that you're with us. Welcome to Follow to Lead. Thanks for having us, Father. Yes, thanks. Well, we're really glad that both of you could be with us. And as we begin our time together, it's really good. We always take time to just find out a little bit of background about each of you. Now, I've told a little bit in your, your biographies, but could each of you tell us a little bit about yourself and your upbringing? And Carol, I think we'll start with you. Hey, well, as you heard in my biography, I was raised in a Protestant home. I had one older sister, eight years older than me. So my parents always said they had two two different families <laughs> because we were so far apart and we are very close today. But I grew up in that household. We went to a Baptist church every Sunday, very active. Scriptures were important in my family, prayer. So I, I did grow up in a Christian home, although it was not a Catholic home. I lived in a small town in Mississippi, one high school, two middle schools, you know, was, were it with, was with the same families and kids my whole life in school and many of them also in our church. In a small town, a lot of your social life revolves around the church as well. So I got very involved in music, and today, as you heard, I am a cantor in my parish, and that's where I found a lot of love. And in school, it was always the arts were drew me all always. I did theater, music, and really had a passion for visual arts, and that's where I seemed to flourish. And of course, I ended up majoring in art. I took, I, I met my husband when I was a junior in high school, but 
we we married young, but we've been married for 38 years, so it was God's plan. Um, he was raised a Catholic, but due to some circumstances in his family, kind of became inactive in his high school years. And when he mar we married, we first started going to the Baptist church with me. That's where we married. And um, a few years later, he just kind of felt the call back. I was, I was also feeling a call. I was in a teacher Bible study in the public school. A, a teacher had a Bible study in her house after school, and it was multi-denominational faiths. And it was there and then that I began to question why I believed what I believed. And I was with all these different women, and I saw Christ in all of them. And they were coming from many different Christian backgrounds. And I, I think that was the beginning of my call to conversion to Catholicism. It came many years later. The Holy Spirit worked on me and worked on me and worked on me. <laughs> right. And I was working on my husband, too, because he was feeling a call to come back. And long and short of it, we did come back. Our children both confirmed Catholics and my one son that's married, married in the Catholic Church and so forth. And my husband is now going through diaconate formation. Oh, wonderful. Our diocese and Lord willing will be ordained in early 2025. So that in our diocese is a couple process. So I do most of that formation with him. Right as well. So that's where we stand right now. I got in Catholic schools in 2006 and really realized that was my vocation. That's where I belonged. I, I have a passion for art and that is what I, of course, teach and just a way to reveal God through that and through beauty. I've always had that longing and desire and so that's just, that's pretty much me. I don't know if there's anything <laughs> else you want to know, but that's a small version of me. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And what an exciting adventure to begin diaconate formation. And we do the same thing. The wives are involved all along the way in the formation because you are able to do a lot of things as couples in terms of ministering to, to those in the church. So that's, that is wonderful. Well, Austin, it's your turn. Kind of give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, well, I I don't have as exciting of a story. I, <laughs> I grew up Catholic, born in Lincoln. So if anybody knows the Lincoln, Nebraska area well, you know that football is huge. So grew up a huge football fan. My my dad and I would, would make up trips every year from the Kansas City area up there. And that was kind of a huge bonding experience for us. My mom worked for our local parish, Sacred Heart of Jesus, and so we lived about three minutes from there. So I kind of just grew up around church things all the time and had a really good relationship with our pastor there and was kind of involved. I myself was involved in a lot of sports, um, uh, went to St. James, was involved in basketball, track, cross country, those various things involved kind of in um, what we have a community system there. I, I think that's been talked about on the podcast prior mm -hmm. right uh, uh and was very involved was a school captain there which is like kind of like the student body president it's i don't know how it happened i paid a lot of people it got <laughs> it got through um, but 
was was the fourth graduating class at St. James. So St. James opened in 2005. And I was a part of the fourth graduating class there. So really early days of the academy. Decided to go kind of head back home. Couldn't go to the big school in Lincoln, but went to the University of Nebraska at Kearney. I realized I only wanted to go there for football tickets. And I actually enjoyed the school aspect of Kearney. Was an athletic training major at first and, you know, switched majors a bunch of times. I was a, a young kid who didn't know what he wanted to do and discerned one summer while working at our Catholic summer camp in the archdiocese, Camp Tekawitha, to enter the seminary, which is a crazy story because usually it takes about, you know, six to eight months for that process to go through. Our vocation director got me through in one month and I was accepted two weeks before the school year started. So moved out to St. Louis, early on discerned that God was not calling me to be a priest. Stayed through the year and graduated from a small school out there in St. Louis and then out to Denver where kind of in the midst of my years, my wife, Mary Kate and I got married. We started dating right after I left seminary, not right after that, that sounds a little close that summer. But we knew each other in high school, but we were not friends. Um, and yeah, went to St. Michael the Archangel where I had a great year kind of learning how to be a teacher, I was teaching theology. I, I think I taught uh, junior morality and uh, theology of the body out there, which is a fun for, you know, it's a fun dive into teaching. It's good to teach the most controversial stuff before moving over to St. James to be back in my alma mater and I taught for four years there primarily salvation history along with Christ's mission as church and again morality and theology of the body before kind of jumping into the campus ministry stuff a little bit and now serving as the director now uh, just out of at St. James if you were you were probably the first graduating class that went all four years didn't you yes that was I was the well, I was the first one with who had seniors so my freshman year was the first year that the high school had seniors. Okay, um, gotcha. Yeah. That is, yeah, that's a, quite a story. And to be back teaching in your alma mater, what a great deal that is. Yeah. So, Carol, in the visual arts, do you have a special focus that that you particularly work in? So we are a, a smaller school, and I am the one and only art teacher there. So I teach everything. Okay. <laughs> we do a little bit of everything, drawing, painting, ceramics. I've even taught photography. My forte is painting in college. I focused on painting and sculpture, actually. But at five foot three, I just could not manage what it took to move big sculptures around <laughs> after college. <laughs> so I focused more on painting without those college guys to help me move the stones. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I focus more on painting. I do bring into my advanced classes, you know, iconography, Christian iconography and, and that process, which is, a very unique way of painting. So I have been able to do that as well. But yeah, I teach a little bit of everything. And we teach by levels, art one, art two, art three. Photography is separate. Okay, very good. Yeah, you'll have to meet Austin's wife, who is a photographer, and compare notes on that. That's, uh, yes. That is really great. 
So He's how big is better than me? Because I am a, a painter teaching photography. <laughs> yeah. How big is St. John the 23rd? So we have about 400 students. I think it's a little higher. We, we Next year, we've got a great freshman class coming in. I don't know the exact numbers, but I think we're more like 450 next year. That's great. How old is the school? The school is 15 years old, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not, it's a relatively new school. Mm-hmm. I I've only been there. This will be my fifth year there. I taught at an all girls Sacred Heart Catholic school for many many years. But I don't know if you're familiar with Houston, but it's very spread out, and I commuted yep. a long way. And the opportunity for me to teach right here, ten minutes from my house, came as St. John began to expand in the arts. Mm-hmm. And so I jumped on that and very happy to be there. I love the school. Oh, that's great. And then Austin, I think, let's see, St. James has got to be approaching, what, 18, 19 years? Yeah, I think this will be our 18th year. Yeah. yeah opened in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. I know you guys are bursting at the seams around, what, 900 yeah, I think we're about 950, 960 right now at, at at max capacity. We I don't think we have much room left in the school. Well, you're going to be the new director of campus ministry, and congratulations on that. What Thank will you. that entail? Because I know you have a chaplain there, but is this like the more the ongoing formation of students? Yeah, so it's our vice president of faith and mission, Debbie Niermeyer, she has kind of been in charge of campus ministry since the beginning of the school. She, she's held, she's worn a lot of different hats kind of as one of the original founders. And so this this position was kind of created to relieve some of that from her, her job so she can focus on some, you know, bigger picture items. And so my job is going to entail a lot of one, working with my campus ministry team. So we have two other campus ministers. And so, you know, working with them, helping to plan and form the retreats that we put on for the students. And as well as kind of the adult side as well. So we we do faculty retreats. We do things called dream days for our faculty and weekly formation sessions as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So focusing on that as well as focusing on our parent formation as well, which we'll, we'll probably get into a little bit as we talk about the my fellowship. But yeah, kind of a, kind of overseeing a lot of different things. We're still kind of figuring out everything that it's going to look like, right? I'm taking a, a role that's been held for a while and, and slowly learning it, mm-hmm. uh, but I got some great mentors to look at. Very good. Well, you were kind of hinting that this will have a part in your your theme as a DIA fellow. Before we dig into the theme, so could could you all kind of share with us what the DIA Fellows program is really designed to accomplish? Um, I hope I do this justice. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think it's really to help schools and, and particularly individuals within schools with particular projects that they want to take on with the help of a mentor to walk you through some things and to be there for you, to have the resources that all the schools involved in DIA can afford you. And, and the 
and just really for me, just the contacts and just the wisdom of all those outside of my own school. We have, you have your other faculty and your administration and your school, and you're always bouncing ideas and you're talking to them and can I do this? Well, how about this? And let's try this. And I really want to do such and such, but to broaden that in such a greater way where we all really are like-minded as far as our mission, you know, our, our job is really, no matter what the project is to get these students to heaven and whatever way that we choose to, to bring that to them and, and to bring, you know, hopefully instill this desire of holiness in all of them. And so for me, just all these like-minded people from different backgrounds, different education levels and experiences that were resources uh, and support for me as I walked through some of the things that we're trying to do at St. John the 23rd. Yeah, kind of a, a lot of those same things, a lot of equipping us, I think, to to work on something that we were passionate on, where we saw a gap in our school or something that could be improved upon or that we could bring into the school to make it the best Catholic school that it that it can be, right? I mean, DIA is all focused on a, a kind of achieving that, right? How do how do we make our Catholic schools more Catholic, more aligned, you know, better education, all, all those different things. And so it gave me the kind of the power to to put that into practice. And then even the mentor aspect and the cohorts of, you know, meeting. I think we did a monthly meeting or bi-weekly meetings of, you know, six or eight people. We came together read or, or reading a book together, just kind of being formed from that side as well to come together and to kind of really have an apostolate to be sent out. And so, on a really practical level, it just gave me a deadline. I mean, <laughs> people were watching me and I had to get this done. You know, I had to keep moving on it. I couldn't give up, right? Oh, that's and and so the process I know begins with admission, and I think October is the next admission gateway for the fourth cohort. What happens after that? It does is if you file, you know, you go ahead and register for this. Are you automatically chosen, or are there just a few chosen? Do you know what the process is and? And how how you get this thing actually running in your lives? I'm well, not sure. An application oh. that we had to complete. I don't really know how many applications they had and who wasn't chosen or was chosen. But it was an application process with a reference, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was. Yeah, and even in an interview with Kyle, who mm-hmm. kind of heads up the whole program and. I think you, if I remember, I, I was a part of the first cohort group. So it's been a, it's been a little bit since I've had to think about the process, but we kind of, you know, already had to have some ideas in our head of what we would like to do. It didn't, have to, it didn't have to be chosen yet, but kind of a part of that application process was, you know, put pen to paper and actually really think about what do you want to do? What are you going to bring to the table? So I know the two of you have both completed the process. So Carol, what was what was your project? What did you work on? So my project was very broad at first and I had to kind of narrow it down, but even before the fellowship 
became an option with me. I was really just hoping to help our school bring some Catholic identity visually through art and, you know, just the environment. And so as I began to talk with our administration about that and the fellowship came up, there were so many ideas on the table of things to do. And believe it or not, we're still working on so many of those. One of which is that we are completely expanding and remodeling our chapel. Okay. Um, more than tripling the capacity of the size of it right now. And so I'm heavily involved with that as I speak, but that didn't end up being part of my project for the fellowship because that was too big mm-hmm. and um, too far out. So, so we just narrowed it down and we, for, for my project, I had two major goals and one was an outdoor and one was an indoor. So we did a Marian garden that I helped oversee and worked with students that wanted to help with that. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was we transformed. It was just a hallway, but it was a hallway that had a really long, not broken up wall. And we turned that into an art gallery for the school. So those were the two things that I I did as part of my project. Okay, very good. And did you have a, a local mentor or how did that work? So no, my mentor was... Pat Reddy, who is at J. Sarah. Mm-hmm. He was wonderful. We just kind of met on an ad as needed basis. We met initially a few times. He had a lot of wisdom because again, I we had so many ideas at our school and I had so many ideas and he helped me hone in onto what I needed to just really focus on. And he was a great help there. And then just as it went along, I would just shoot him an email pad. I got some things I want to just, I just want to get your take on them. And so it was great to have him. He's had a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom. Okay. And so, and then Austin, what was your, what was your project? Yeah. So I, I initially started to look at just kind of, kind of a, a very broad topic as well of parent formation. It was something that I had noticed, you know, teaching in the classroom, you know, you, you give your all. You're seeing this, you think, you know, the students seem to be receptive, but you can kind of tell at certain points they're not living out, you know, the way that we're always called. Right. Uh, And so you kind of ask the question, well, you know, this must start at the home. So how do we get, you know, parents better formed so that the things that we're teaching in the classroom actually stick at home or the conversations can happen at home of, of what's being talked about? And so I, yeah, I threw out a lot of different ideas, but... This was something that St. James had also been trying to figure out as well. And so kind of a, an idea of what is it, what does parent formation look like was the scope mm-hmm. of my project. Right. That That is a, a, a huge challenge for schools, both on the elementary and high school level to, to think about how to involve in yourself in the lives of the parents, because that is usually what is one of the greatest impediments to the formation of the students. So Boy, that's that is that's a real challenge. So, how how did when you finished the project, did it accomplish for you what you hoped it would? Carol, let me go to you first. So, I mean, you never know the spiritual impact of something that you've done, really, unless someone shares with you exactly what, how it what it's meant to them. But I. I know for me, the the Marian Garden especially, I have 
seen students sitting there and meditating and faculty and even just personally, I go by there every day and talk to our, our mother before I walk to my classroom. So, um, you know, I, I do pray that that visual presence does remind us to stop and ask for her intercession and to be with us and remember that she is with us in this effort. As far as the gallery, now the gallery, you know, on a spiritual level, I don't know because we see, you know, what students have created and, 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 and the beauty of it. And hopefully there is a little bit of transcendence that brings people to closer to our maker, but that has gotten a lot of good feedback. I've heard a lot of good feedback from parents and students and comments on the work that's, that hangs in there. It's a, we're calling it a permanent gallery in the sense that there's, it's always going to have work up. Uh-huh. But, uh, it's going to rotate in and out and it's going to primarily be student work. Okay. Have you got some of your pieces there? Not mine, because it's student work. So okay, it's, so uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I so, wondered if you maybe had got to sneak one of it or one or two I, of I yours did in once when we had a little hole in the wall, you know, a little space. Well, it's that is really, I think, a, a wonderful thing to focus on because again, Catholic identity. Part of it is that the 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 arts kind of it's like a window into eternity, especially through the icons, but through the, the, even in the garden, it's just like a window into something. So how beautiful that is. Well, good. And then Austin, what about well, your program? What, how did, did that have some lasting effect? Yeah. So I think, I think it was the start of something and it was a really, really good start. Kind of like Carol said, I needed a deadline, right? That, that always helps instead of just having this ethereal idea of, oh yeah, we should start something here. So what ended up really being the main focus of mine was it was during the year of St. Joseph, which, you know, God was working all these different things. And so we ended up doing a father-son retreat. That was kind of the big push of, you know, studies, all the studies show that, you know, dads being involved in their faith is the biggest indicator of the faith being passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was important for us to, to get, dad's on campus because if you you know walk around a normal high school who do you see on campus the most it's the moms Moms. and so how do we get how do we get these fathers to be intentional to to kind of be just walking with their sons on a day-long retreat um and so we had about i think 200 father-son pairs signed up to come on this retreat i think about 150 showed up but yeah, it led into a beautiful day for one um, with a lot of really good feedback. I had a student kind of disclose to another teacher that, you know, it was exactly what he had always wanted to do with his dad, which oh, wow. was like the the biggest, you know, if I was marketing this, that would be like the catchphrase, right? So that was really edifying to hear. And then it led kind of into a a group now called Thunder Dads. We we coined ourselves of I do about eight weeks a semester. We meet every Wednesday morning for 
some sort of formation session. It's it's kind of been changing. We kind of we found our groove last year. We did a couple of consecrations together and we could come and discuss it at 630 in the morning over some coffee. And uh, yeah, it's been beautiful and to kind of see the, the ministry grow. That's fantastic. And how many are probably continuing with you in Thunder Dads? We got up to about 16 or 18 dads Wonderful. Uh, to come in the mornings. It started off the first year, we had about four. And so it, it's really grown and we've been doing some other nights and the father-son retreat made all the moms ask, well, where's our mother-daughter retreat? And so that happened last year. And now we're kind of doing a rotating basis. We'll have our second father-son retreat this coming August. That's outstanding. And for both of you, it was wonderful to hear you, you had to co- you had cohort meetings and going through books together. What kind of spiritual impact did the year have on you personally? I think I'm always kind of pushed forward by hearing other people's testimony, hearing other people's witnesses. So kind of just, we, I'm trying to think of the book. It was by, I think, John Wood. Is that his name? I can see the cover. I just can't think of the name. But it just to hear people's reflections on what they're reading and and to talk about how God's working in their life and working in their projects just kind of pushed me in my own spiritual journey to kind of maybe let go, right? I like to have a lot of control over the projects that I take on. I think I'm smarter than I am. And so to to kind of just take that step back of, of saying, you know what, I need to let God work in here and to kind of just, you know, that's a nice microcosm of kind of the rest of my life. Right? I just need to let God work and I I just need to follow him. I, now, I also go I ahead, mean, Carol. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I also really enjoyed the the book study. We read from I'm the same as Austin, trying to get the correct title from Christendom to the Apostolic, Apostolic Mission. Yeah. Yes. So we I enjoyed the book immensely and the the talks about the book. And I think for me, especially reading the book made me really feel an urgency to evangelize and to realize that, you know, we are not living in the age I grew up in. Right. And really a lot of these kids definitely have not grown up in the age I've grown up in and in many facets of technology just being one, one little tiny piece of it. But I just, just a sense of urgency and a, sense of really relying on the Holy Spirit just day by day to be an, be an evangelist. Now, uh, one question I have personally for you guys, I am starting my first time as a mentor for somebody that's a DIA fellow. What kind of counsel and wisdom recommendations can you give to me as a mentor on how to do what I'm supposed to do well. I also had Pat as my mentor. And he, we didn't like have tons of long conversations, but the conversations that we did have, he pretty much just asked me questions and told me to reflect on them. 
uh, especially when you know <laughs> okay i like which that. was great yeah, yeah which was great it's what i needed he would i don't like to be stumped and so you know if i get stumped it's like yeah that's probably what you need to reflect on and so uh, and a lot of it was, you know, what does your school really need? What, what do these parents really need? And I was just like, oh, I gotta, I gotta take that to prayer. I gotta actually got to think about that before I mm-hmm. just, you know, force my own way of like, you know, this is what I think they need when it's like, oh, I should probably, you know, talk to some parents about this. And it was kind of those questions of getting out of my own head and and focusing on the people. I also think from your you know, administrative background, you will be a help because I know for me, one of my biggest worries in the get-go when I talked to Pat, I was like, how am I going to fund all of this? I don't know how I'm going to fund all these ideas I have. How am I going to get the money to do this and that and the other? And he finally said, that's not your worry. (laughs) So, you know, you're going to have to work through your administration for that. And he said, you don't need, you need to focus on other things. And he was, you know, he was right. So from, from his experience in a different world than I live in, I live in the classroom with kids. You know, I think that's another voice that you can be for a teacher. If you have Mm -hmm. your assigned to a teacher that's in the classroom, you have that mind of how everything works within the administration of a school. Oh, good. Thank you. That those both, both of those things really help a lot. And if there is a, a, a teacher or an administrator who's prayerfully considering doing a fellowship. I know there's a cost involved. I think it's $1,500. <clears throat> I would think that sometimes the school actually underwrites that, hopefully. But what would you say to someone who is prayerfully considering doing a fellowship? Carol, why don't you go first? Well, I actually have really been trying to encourage someone at our school He didn't bite this past year. He and his wife just had a new baby. And I think that was probably the reason more than anything. But, you know, I just told him, I said, you know, it's such a great experience personally and for the school. And I knew that he had some some desires and some things on his heart that he wanted to do through our house system and through athletics. And I was like, either one of those, you know, would be a great a great avenue to go through DIA fellowship for that and, and get some support and some help. And it'll kind of help you, you know, as I, as I said with me, it'll help you just kind of focus in on what you need to do first. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, with my project, it's ongoing. And that chapel thing was out there and I knew that. And I was like, I can't get that done in this few months. And he's right. you know, and I was able to say, don't, don't, you know, that's still going to be there for you. You're still going to be able to help your school there but let's focus on some smaller things and mm-hmm. begin to see the fruits of what your heart is desiring to do for your school and for our Lord. And uh, Austin, what would, what would you say to someone who's considering? Yeah, I would, I would kind of say some, some similar ideas there of, you know, in your prayer, what are you hearing that you are passionate about that, you know, that you are maybe already, you know, have the start of being really skilled at, and what does your school need? Mm-hmm. And really just focusing on something uh, that could be done in six to nine months, you know, something that's concrete. It's really fun to get, you know, really big picture, but it's a, it's a limited time frame. So what can I do in the next, you know, half a year to a year that can make an impact on my school that can still, you know, now that I've laid the groundwork, I can now actually continue to till the soil. 
Excellent. Excellent. So uh, is there anything that we've missed in terms of the dynamics of what takes place in a DIA fellows year? Have we pretty well kind of covered it? Is there anything else that you think would be good to highlight for people to kind of get a a full picture of what you all experienced? Well, one of the requirements is that you attend the summit. And that, I, I should have said this earlier, to me, some of the speakers and the sessions that I went to, I brought things back to our school. And as a whole, I did a presentation for our school when I came back on a couple of the sessions that I had set in on that I thought, wow, this, this is, this is some ideas we can, we can use. So it, I think that's a huge part of it too. I don't know that I would have just stepped up and said, Oh, I'll go. Right. But I knew I had to. <laughs> and, and so I, you know, arranged to be out of school those days and, you know, pack the bag and go. And it was very much well worth it. So I, in fact, I hope I get to go again. I'm not gonna be able to go this year because of a different conflict, but I hope that I get to go again. Um, I, so I think you're right. The summit is such a such an important part of just even your well rounding in that year and an incredible group of speakers and just getting to know other educators from across the United States and other places where you share hearts and share the same passion for Catholic education from a mission-driven position. So, Yeah. So, I mean, that was, yeah, I think that's the big highlight is being able to go out to the conference and present a little bit about what you did, which, you know, you worked so hard on this. It's, it's fun to be able to talk about it to other people and yeah, the, the speakers they have out for, for the conferences are, are incredible. Karen McGinn and Kyle, they do a great job kind of bringing people in from, from things and really kind of assessing the situation. And even, yeah, kind of the off, you know, the off stage of, of forming relationships and the conversations that you have with the people around you and the downtime that you have to just bounce ideas off what other schools are doing. Well, excellent. And Carol Schmansky, Austin Krauss, thank you so much for being with us today on Follow to Lead. This has been a wonderful window into a component of Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative that many people are not aware of. And I hope more of them, more people take advantage of this particular aspect of, of DIA. So again, thank you so much for being with me. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you. Well, to learn about the Fellows Program for the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative, please visit our website at diaschools.org. And for our audience, if you haven't already, please be sure to follow our podcast and leave a comment to encourage us toward future programs. May Almighty God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.